recorded live. Thank you. 
just because God will start a thing out little, that doesn't mean he will finish it up little. Sometimes God will just be testing you and I in the small days to see if we will be faithful uh, long enough for him to expand it. You take Joseph, for example. He was just faithful to God wherever he found himself. And, and being faithful to God caused him to find himself in some very difficult places. He was faithful to God. He ended up in a cistern. He was faithful to God. He ended up being sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites. He was faithful to God in, in Potiphar's house. He ended up being falsely accused. He was faithful to God in the prison. Ended up being forgotten about by the chief cupbearer. But his faithfulness paid off. And I want to encourage you under the sound of my voice. Don't get weak and weary and well-doing. You will reap too in due season if you faint not. In other words, your faithfulness will pay off. Little becomes much. That little faithfulness that Joseph maintained, God turned it into much. Turned him into the first prime minister of the nation of Egypt. And God will do great things for you and I as well as we remain faithful. Matthew 14 and 12. Matthew 13 and 31, capital D, little faith can even bring much miracles. Little faith can even bring much miracles. Jesus talked about how if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to be thou removed into the sea, and it will obey. Matthew 17, 20, Matthew 21, 21. And it brings us on down to capital E. What profit a man? What profit a man? We looked last night in Mark chapter 8, verse 36 about how Jesus asked, what profit a man if he gained the whole world and then forfeits his soul? What, what profit is there if you can get everything this world has to offer and then end up being sent to hell for all eternity? It's, it's, it's ridiculous, really, that, that so many of us as human beings have been deceived and tricked by the adversary's uh, offer to for momentary pleasures and momentary joys or enjoyment in this life, but then forfeit our soul. It's not worth it. I've done the sound of my voice. There's nothing the adversary has to offer that is worth your soul spending eternity in hell or in the lake of fire and burning sulfur. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. We're still talking about what profit a man. Let's see what God has in store for us today. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse seventeen from the New International Version. Apostle Paul writes to the saints in Corinth. Paul says, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, from the New International Version, Paul writes, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Capital E in our outline, what profit a man? Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty and glorious name, we thank you. We praise you. We 
worship you for another day that you have made. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for the opportunity and the desire to study your holy scriptures, your words of eternal life. Once you asked your disciples and many left the ministry if they wanted to go as well, Peter said, to whom shall we go? It is you that have the words of eternal life. Father, we thank you today for not only the words of eternal life, but for predestining us before the foundations of the earth were ever laid to accept your words of eternal life. I pray, Father, for everyone under the sound of my voice that you will open hearts and minds today that men and women may hear a word. If it's just one word uh, from you today that will cause them to grow, to expand, to be blessed, May marriages be healed today at the preaching of your word in the name of Jesus. May blind eyes and deaf ears be healed today as well at the preaching and teaching of your word. Father, whatever you decide to do to us, through us, and for us, it will be all right. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. We ask again that you forgive us of our sins, our iniquities, our trespasses, faults, and flaws as we have sinned against one another. We've sinned against you. We ask, Father, that as you forgive us, may we forgive those who have sinned and and trespassed against us. Father, we are expecting you to say something, to do something extra special in our midst today as we come before you as your uh, precious little children. We know that you won't disappoint us, but that you will give us this day our daily bread. This is our prayer. We count it done in Jesus' mighty and glorious name we pray. Amen and amen. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, the Apostle Paul is uh, writing concerning what each one of us are as children of God. Now, you need to understand that you as a child of God, are a minister of the new covenant. You say, ah, apostle, I'm not preaching in any church. Then say you had to. But nevertheless, you are a minister of the new covenant. The new covenant, uh, the new contract, the new conditions of how humanity is to relate with its creator, how humanity is to live in this place called earth. You are a competent minister of the new covenant. Now, Paul deals specifically with one of the problems in the early Corinthian church, and it's, it's a major problem today. And, and one of the things that God has in my spirit is that it's the same spiritual desire that the demon that is pushing, especially in this country, homosexuality, lesbian, bisexual, gay, transgender, all of that foolishness down the throats of many individuals. The same spiritual move. Now, now what the spiritual move is this. You know, I just leave a continent, Africa, where, you know, a lot of stuff they, they have accepted from the United States and that, they, that you know, they look at us as you know, God's own country and all kinds of different things. But this nonsense about homosexuality and gay and men marrying men and women marrying, 
African brothers ain't going for that. They are not going for that throughout much of the country. And I applaud them for that. I applaud them for that. Now, what is happening in the United States and many of our leaders, many of our uh, politicians who are not spiritually discerning, they don't realize it. And that's why, that's why the, the real leadership of a country, it was never meant to be in the hands of politicians throughout the scripture. You'll find that the real leadership of country, the real leadership of the nation of Israel was in the hands of the prophets who spoke as they were unctioned by God and before David or before uh, great kings, even Ahab, or before great kings would make political decisions, they would first speak with the prophets of God. The Bible lets us know that God does nothing without first revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. You say, Apostle, what does that mean? I want to know who President Obama's prophet is. I want to know who, who Hillary Clinton's prophet is. Who are they talking to before they make decisions that, that who is John Kerry's prophet? Before they make decisions that, that will affect millions upon millions of individuals. If you are done the sound of my voice and you don't have a prophet in your life, you're making a whole lot of mistakes. You're having a whole, making a whole lot of mistakes. God does nothing. In other words, somebody needs to be – now, we know God can talk to us individually, but he also talks to us through chosen and selected vessels. Yeah, God could have talked to the nation of Israel when they were in slavery, but he chose Moses. Yeah, God could have, God could have just uh, decided to, to do certain things to the, to the Egyptians in the days of Joseph, but he talked through Joseph. So God has got a man or a woman that he is going to communicate some truths, some very powerful truths to you through. My spirit goes to my spiritual mother, passed away in 2008. All this what you see? All this worldwide ministry, all this traveling all over the world, preaching the gospel. She told me this when I was 17. Looked at me, looked up at God, said, uh-huh, you're going to be a preacher. Look back up, oh, okay, okay, like the Lord was talking directly to her. And he was. I know he was. Because what she said is what I'm doing. To the letter, this great woman of God, and I was sharing it with some of the pastors recently in Nigeria. She described venues in, in Nigeria and Africa 20 years, 20 plus years before I ever went to them. Now, these, these individuals there, they, they know the venues. Well, I know the prophecy. Show them the prophecy, and, and they, they like, yeah, that's such and such a venue. You know, one particular venue called Tafwa Bella Square, huge convention center in, in Lagos. This woman of God described me and administration meeting there 20-plus years before it ever took place. So you say, Apostle, what are you driving at? The key to keep in mind in your life is that whatever happens, and this can sometimes help us from going off too, too far off, because if it happens to you, it was your destiny. If it happens to me, it's because it was my destiny. Our destiny is that which God already knew was going to happen in our past, in our present, in our future. That's why I don't try to don't try not to get too upset about what happened to you when you was a little bitty child. Don't let that don't let that was your destiny to go through it, right, wrong, good or bad. You know, each one of us as imperfect beings, we were raised by imperfect parents. You know, we live in an imperfect world, so you know, don't don't trip too hard off of what happened. Some of you all understand my voice, you're still tripping off what happened to you when you was a little bitty boy, a little bitty girl. And then there's some terrible things that happened to us. Some of us, you know, were abused, some of us were it's you, some of it, all kind of different things. But if it happened to me, it was my destiny. 
Some of you all tripping off what's happening to you now. On the job, got your mouth poked out, can't get yourself together, can't, and don't want to do right. That's your destiny. If it's happening, Apostle, how can you say that? Because is it happening? Yes. It's because it was your destiny. It's because God knew before he ever created you that on this day, what's the date? 18th, that that's what you will be going through. Now, see, you didn't know it, and that's why you tripping. God ain't tripping. God ain't tripping off what's happening happening in your past. He's not tripping off what's happening in your present, and he's not going to trip off what's happening in your future because he already knows. We the ones be tripping. Oh, well, we the ones, huh? All right, one of the things that he he wrote the script. He's a screenwriter that already wrote the script. He know how the movie starts, how it's going, and how it's going to finish. And so it is with our life. So children of God, let's don't trip too hard. You know, I know I know some terrible things happen. You know, I got back here from 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 traveling for you know seven eight weeks, and a very very terrible thing happened to one of the vehicles here in the ministry. I was just as angry as I had been in in some time. But you know, after you know, think about it and sit back. It was destiny. Where are you going to trip too hard off of that which God already knew, you know, was going to happen? So it is with uh, life. You know, God already knows what's going to happen to the United States. Look, politicians, you can talk all you want to talk. You can do all you want to do, pass all the bills you want to do, but God already knows. And he has revealed it to his servants, the prophets. You can talk all day out there about what's going to be. Well, the Bible says to man belong the plans of the heart, but the reply of the tongue come from the Lord. God said, I already know what I'm going to do with the United States. These characters can talk all they want to talk, plan all they want to plan. God said, I know what I'm going to do. So this spirit, you say, Apostle, what you got me? What this spirit is trying to do, uh, uh, this spirit that we are reading about in our select scriptures, it's a spirit that wants to take uh, the gospel, the things of God, and commercialize them. It's the same spirit that was in the temple thousands of years ago, that Jesus made a whip out of some cords and drove them out. Because what they want to do, they want to commercialize the things of God. A lot of you characters out there under the sound of my voice, a lot of you pastors, bishops, whatever you call yourself, you're doing the same thing. Want to commercialize the things of God, but the reality is, and God is telling me to tell His people this now: <clears throat> that what ministry has, a true ministry, has always been about, and God says it will always be about as long as there's ministry in the earth. True ministry is about souls being saved and souls growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not about a money-making venture. It's not about a hustle. It's not about a, It's about souls being saved. Christ didn't come to the earth to make money. Did he, did he use money? Of course he did. I got to use money. I'll be amazed at some of you all out there. You, you understand that you got to use money and you feel like man of God, he just, God just gonna, I want to say he's just hollering osmosis or you just feel like God just supposed to God just do, I don't know. But same way, Jesus used money. <laughs> Jesus accepted charitable donations. Judas was the, the keeper of the money bag. There were a number of women and a number of individuals that supported Jesus' ministry financially. So here's God being supported financially. Yet some of you all feel like, you know, you ain't got to do nothing. But that's all right, too, because God is going to make sure he supplies all I need. Really, your contributions to the work of God, ultimately, it's not so much 
for the benefit of the man or woman of God oh, in the, at the end of the day because God's going to see to it that his servants are taken care of. If he had to feed them, if he have to feed them miraculously, but it's for your benefit. So you mess around and keep right on cheapskating the things of God, and then you mess around and lose that job. Yeah, God done already showed me some of you all out there. Some of you mess around and lose that position. You mess around. See, because what you're trying to bankrupt the kingdom of God, but what's going to end up happening, you're going to be the one to end up bankrupt. You're going to end up being the one looking crazy. God is going to make sure his kingdom and his children carry on. He's going to make sure of that. So understand that our gifts to the work of God, our gifts to the ministry, our gifts to the things of God, that ultimately helps keep us going. Listen, you're not hurting Texaco or, or, or mobile oil by refusing to put their gas in your car. You know, I ain't gonna put no, I ain't gonna put no, 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 no Texaco oil in my car. It'll be you that run out of gas. Texaco's still pumping. They still making money. It's gonna be you that's gonna run out of gas. You tell me, oh, I, I, ain't, I ain't gonna, I ain't put no Texaco gas in my car. Now, forget Texaco. Hang up. Well, you'll be the one. Hold on, we got a revelation coming from one of the saints. Go and talk to the people. Standard oil with John D. Rockefeller and you know um, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt was like he made administration that was saying that they couldn't no longer do monopolies. So they basically, you know, they went to court with John D. Rockefeller and they told him that you had to break up all of Standard Oil and give it to other people. You have to make different companies out of all of what you've done with Standard Oil. So John D. Rockefeller was like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. He does that, and like Exxon and Mobile, people think that they're two different companies, but they pretty much the same thing because he separated them and still making money out of them just because he had to split it up. So he's making even more money than he was before because now it's multiple little things, not just one big standard oil thing. That's why the Rockefeller is still super rich because of that oil and they divided all that stuff up. Okay, praise God. Praise God. Now that, that kind of reminds me of what the religious leaders thought they were doing by crucifying Jesus. You know, by crucifying Jesus, they thought they were going to stamp out the movement of salvation. They were going to be finished with this little cult, this little uprising. But when Jesus went back to the Father, he hauled off. After he had risen from the dead and different things, went back to the Father. He sent his spirit and filled up a whole lot of people. So now, instead of just one of me, you got whole lots of me's running around. So, so you know, and that's that's kind of similar to you know what I'm hearing the brothers saying in regards to John Rockefeller. The point is this, you know, children of God, and what what we want to keep in mind. Uh, you can't keep God's program down. The best thing that you and I can do is get with God's program just as hard and as fast as we can because God's program is going to rise. God's program is going to prosper. 
God's program is going to go on with or without you and with or without me. God's program is, is, is going to stand. God's program is going to last. So, uh, you know, you've got many individuals today that are peddling the word of God for profit. Now, what the adversary wants to do is he wants to show that picture so much, much like the spirit, the spirit that has invaded our land of, of homosexuality and, and gay and lesbian, trans. That spirit is not just trying to, to mark out a little place in, in our culture, in our society. That spirit wants to take over. Some of you are neglecting to remember <clears throat> what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. That spirit didn't just come in and just say, all right, we just want to be treated fairly. We just want some respect. We want the, ah, uh -uh. that spirit took over all the Bible says, all the men of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I came back to the United States, and I always have to adjust when I go into different countries and stay in different countries for a while. You know, you come out of Africa, many parts of Africa, where that, that whole homosexual, same-sex is not even placed. As soon as I jumped on a plane out of Detroit, Looked at one one of the the, the um, airline attendants, character big, just about tall as me, handsome guy, and uh, spoke to me. Hey, how you doing? I was like, Oh my God, I'm back in the United States with this man. I said, I'm doing fine. How are you? Just as effeminate as he as he possibly could, you know. And God doesn't like that. God does not like effeminate men. Just like God doesn't like you know women trying to trying to trying to operate outside of what he created them for. Listen, I've done some of my voice. You're a woman, you out there, you were created to be a helper. That's what the, you need to understand what you created for. You're not created to be the head of men in nothing. You created to be a helper, a suitable helper. Your whole purpose for the existence of your gender is to help. Well, what the adversary want to do, get you out of your purpose and get you doing something you got no business doing. Man, out there under the sound of my voice, you were created to lead. You were created to conquer. You were created to, 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 to be the head and not, and now, well, what adversary want to do? Want to take you and have you, you know, doing something else. The adversary's move is always to try and get you and I doing something other than what we were created for. Keep that in mind. Even in the early church, early apostles, you know, they were, they were put in the church to preach and teach God's word. Well, the first thing the adversary do cause some problems amongst the Hebraic Jews, widows, and the, and the, uh, Gresham Jew widows, and, you know, this problem was such a magnitude that people brought it to the apostles and trying to get the apostles to take care of it. Apostles said, look, choose from among you seven men known to be full of the spirit of God and wisdom. Let them handle this so we can devote our attention to the ministry of the word. These men said, look, I, we, we know what, what our job is in the body of Christ, to stay on this word, to stay on this word. I say we want to try to get the early apostles, get them off the word, get them serving tables, get them, you know, uh-uh-uh, apostles say, uh-uh, uh-uh. So keep in mind, under the sound of my voice, whatever it is that God wants you to do, whatever it is God created you to do, desires for you to do, the adversary's move and pressure and push in your life is going to be to get you off of that, get you into something else crazy. He's always done it. <clears throat> he's always done it. That's why he's the adversary. That's why he's your opponent, to try and get you off of what you do. I was watching a little bit of a tape-delayed uh Warriors game last night. You know, Golden State Warriors having a real good season. Steph Curry playing real, real well. And I remember when he was in college. And I remember one of my boys. They put one of my boys on him. He would run up and down the court in college doing all the same kind of foolishness, scoring at will, could nobody do nothing. They took one of my boys. Grew up right with you, Antoine. 
and put Antoine on him. This was one of the young men that I trained. We had, you know, been playing, dealing with him and training him ever since he was about, I guess y'all was about 9, 10, you know. Put Antoine on him on Nationwide TV, the only one I done seen, and shut him down to the place where after the game I watched Antoine, I watched Steph Curry go to Antoine and give him a pound. Antoine was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. If I was in NBA right now, and I think I shared this one some of the states right here, I would go back. I'd go find Antoine. I think Antoine's playing overseas somewhere. I'd go find Antoine, give him a 13-day contract, right? But about time we got to play uh, Golden State Warriors just to see. It seemed like can't nobody do nothing with this young <laughs> But the point is this, children of God, I'm going to keep in mind, adversary, you know, and, and the thing was, and I'll go back to that story, what Antoine did basically is he, he, he you know, and this is what he was trained to do, and it's a, to, to find out what an individual wants to do. This is what we train him to do, and then to make him do something different as an opponent, and that's basically all he did. He, he, he realized what Steph wanted to do, and he made him do something different. in World War II, what, they, what they, the United States and some of the other countries decided to do is take out the, the German generals. So the Germans were doing, were moving real, real strong as long as they had strong leadership, strong headship in the generals. But they decided to take out the generals. And once they did that, they, you know, a lot of the soldiers really didn't know what to do and what directions to go in. So, so keep in mind, what that's, and that's what the adversary wants to try to do in Christianity, wants to try to take out the leaders. That's why he tried to take out Peter, James, John, and, and the early apostles, and take out Jesus. But the problem was that Christianity doesn't work like man-made stuff. You know, Christianity, because it's a, it's a supernatural movement, you may take out one or two of the leaders and end up with one or two hundred more followers. Because God has fixed it up so that, that the kingdom of God, the harder you work against it to try to stop it, the more it will expand and the more it will grow. They persecuted the disciples in Jerusalem, run them out of Jerusalem, and they went right to Judea. They went right to Samaria. They went right to the utmost parts of the earth. So what, what might have been a little contained movement, it might like to me and what God is flashing in my spirit now, electrical fire. I almost burned down a whole neighborhood years ago. Here with an electrical fire. Electrical fire, you pour water on it if you want to. And what water does is make the fire grow. I'm out there real crazy burning up some computers. I had no business doing that in the first place. And big fire jumped out. Big electrical fire jumped out. I'm like, whoa, man, this thing is out of control. And it was about to catch one of the buildings. And so I run out there, water, buckets of water, throw water on it, and the thing got bigger. I'm like, what is this? Fortunately, the Lord had, you know, uh, we had a, a fire extinguisher around, and I was able to run and get the fire extinguisher and put the thing out. But learned a very valuable lesson. Electrical fire don't work like regular fire. You say, Apostle, what that means? What well, world is the parable? The kingdom of God don't work like regular organizations. It don't work like regular, regular little movements. You know, the more you try to do to stop it, 
the more and bigger it grows and expands. like God wants to take over spirits that have been alienated from God, whether it's whether it's peddling of the word of God, you know, that spirit wants to take over. And this is why you, you can't hardly turn on television today and listen to a lot of these ministers without, you know, money, 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 money. And we thank God for sowing seed. You know, we thank God for you all out there and your contributions to the work of God. But understand there's a lot more to Christianity, a lot more to to walking with God than just money. And the same way that's that spirit of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, it wants to take over. It don't want just a little place at the table. It wants to take over the whole table. It wants to take over to the place to where those who are considered heterosexual will be uh, looked at as the um, the strange one, as the strange one. So uh, what profit a man? Now, now we're looking here. Paul talked about peddling the word of God for profit. Now, the question becomes, what profit is there in that? Because here, you, you, you know, uh, Paul talked about in one other place, he said, you know, he beats his body and he makes it his slave, lest after he has preached to others, he himself becomes a castaway. In other words, Paul said, look, I ain't trying to be running all over the world preaching and people getting saved and people coming to Christ and people growing and moving, and then I end up in hell. Well, that's, this is the type of thing. When you're peddling the word of God for a prophet, you run the risk. Yeah, some people may have gotten saved by your, your ministry or by buying your books or your tapes or doing them, but you're peddling the word of God for a prophet. And then at the end of the day, others have, messaged, have gotten saved or gotten incurred, but you end up in hell because of using... Uh, the word of God, using the things of God in a manner that they weren't meant to be used. Well, the kingdom, I mean, the, the message is bigger than the messenger. The message of Christianity is bigger than any of us. It's bigger than all of us. But what we want to make sure that we do is that we use it properly so that we're not out uh, uh, and others are benefiting, and then at the end of the day, we end up uh, condemned, or we end up, you know, what profit a man? You, you you sell a, a billion books you know, as to how to be saved, and billion, billions of people end up getting saved. But then because you were peddling the word of God for profit, God ended up having to to send you to hell. All right? Now, competent ministers, let's get a little bit here. So Paul rewrites in verse 12, right after talking about forgiveness for the sinner, verses 5 through 11. But then Paul comes in in verse 12, he says, now I want, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I didn't find my brother Titus there. 
So I said goodbye to them all and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Now keep in mind, child of God, one thing. Paul went to a place, you know, and he was happy about the open door, but he didn't find the brother that he was looking for. He still didn't have any peace of mind. So even though God had opened a great door for his ministry, and we thank God for open doors, you've got to be able to recognize open doors in your ministry. Every one of us, we've talked about it as a minister, but God has also got open doors. In other words, he's got places, he's got people that he has already marked out that you and I are to be a blessing to. Now, some of us can run into trouble by trying to spend time in places that God had marked them out for you. God had marked that group out. He had marked that country out. He had marked that church out. You're still trying to force yourself in anyway. Anyway, you've got to find the people, the places, the, the, the environment that God has opened a ministerial door so that he can lead you in triumphant procession. In other words, when you get there, that group is already ready for you. When you get there, that group will receive from you. When you get there, that group will be a blessing to you because these are the ones that God has opened the door for you for. He always leads us. And then we can, and once we get there, see, through us, God is able to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him. You talk about fragrance. Talk about take some perfume and spray it. What does fragrance do? It changes the whole atmosphere. You know, I was in Dubai just a few few weeks ago, walking past. The guy was like, hey, you want to try, try this here, try this here. And I was like, let me see what it smells like. And he squirted it on, squirted a little bit, and I smelled it. Changed the whole atmosphere. You say, Apostle, what does that mean to me? What, what, is the, what is the message here? You are meant to change the atmosphere of a place, child of God. You, as your, your, because of what you are carrying, because of the fragrance of Christ, because of the fragrance of the gospel, you and I are meant to change, at, to change the whole atmosphere on the job, change the whole atmosphere in the house, change the whole atmosphere. Now, at things, aromas and fragrances can change atmospheres for the good and for the bad. That's when I'm being elevated and somebody haul off and blow a poop. You can't wait for the door to open. <laughs> Why? Why? Because what have they done? They have changed the atmosphere for the negative. Now you want to get away because they've changed the atmosphere. Well, you mess around and let somebody, you know, you're real, real hungry, and somebody start cooking some, some of the favorite food that you like. And you mess around and get up out of the bed and be all in the kitchen. What's going on in here? What, what's happening in here? That atmosphere, that, that, that fragrance, that aroma has changed the atmosphere. Well, you and I, children of God, are called upon by God to change the fragrance, to change, to change the atmosphere here in the earth. What we are carrying is meant to change the whole atmosphere. Things on the job ought to be different because you and I are there. Things in the church ought to be different because you and I are there. For we are, to God, the aroma of Christ. Now keep that in mind. To God, we smell a lot like Christ. God liked the smell of Christ. God liked the movement of Christ. Well, we smell a lot like that. If a person likes fried chicken and you get to cooking uh, quail, which smell a whole lot like chicken, they're going to be like, that's all right, too. Why? Because it's very, very similar. Well, to God, we are the aroma of Christ. We smell a whole lot like Christ. <clears throat> Among those who are being saved and those 
who are being saved, and those who are perishing. Now, to one, we are the smell of death. Now, you need to understand that the, watch this now, look at the parable. The smell of chicken cooking to a person that likes chicken is one thing. The smell of chicken cooking to a person that don't like chick, don't like chicken is another thing. Now, I think about the Lord is flashing my spirit. Um, what do they call the pig intestines? There's a lot of chitlins. The smell of chitlins to some of you all out there that like chitlins be like, oh man, it's getting ready to be some serious eating up in here. But for those of you that that can't stand chitlins, the smell of chitlins cooking can make you vomit, can almost make you vomit. So to those who are being saved. We are a very, they can't wait to see us. They can't wait for us to come. They can't wait to hear from us. But to those who are perishing, we stink. We, we, we make them sick. They don't want to hear anything we got to say. They don't want to say, to one, look at what it said. To one, we are the smell of death. Well, to who? To those who are perishing. To the other, we are the fragrance of life. So understand that, that, that based on how you respond to me out there on the sound of my voice, it depends on whether you're perishing or whether you're being saved. You're on your way to hell. You ain't thinking about the things of God. You ain't thinking about the God of the things. You ain't thinking. Then, then I'm going to be the most irritating somebody to you. But for you out there that, are, that, that, that want to be saved, that want to get closer to God, that want to live for God, then I'm going to be that smell of a whole other smell. And that's what we have to keep in mind about ourselves. Everybody that sees us, that hears us, that, that interacts with us, we are either the smell of death or we are the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Now, Paul comments, look, unlike so many, Paul's got to deal with this because it's common in Paul's day and it's common today. Unlike so many, Paul said, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. Paul said, it doesn't mean that we don't accept profit. You know, we can't say here at Christian Center we're a non-profit organization. What, what is that all about? Don't you know it costs money to, 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 to carry on uh, ministerial activities. Don't you understand that the church got to have heat on? Some of you all, some of you all, I'd be just, I'd be just like, Lord, you know, I just like to pray that the Lord remove the, the veil from your eye. Don't you realize that it, it takes electricity? You wouldn't even be, those of you all out there that are listening to this broadcast that are not here with us physically, don't, don't you understand it takes money for us to bring the broadcast to you? You know, we were even able, fortunate enough, technology to the point God opened our eyes to a place where we were able to do live feeds from, from South Africa, live feeds from Nigeria. Very expensive. Every single minute we had to pay very serious money to bring those live feeds. Cost money. Church got to have lights. Don't you got lights in your house? Church got to have water. Don't you got water in your house? Church got to have electricity. Don't you have electricity in your house? And, 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 you know, and I don't pray for this, but I know God is going to do it, and I, and, I, and I almost hate to see it coming. It's the same way some of you all nickel and dime the ministry or just as, as uh, um, stingy as you can regarding the ministry. God be telling me, Lord, I'm going to be like, Rob, I'm going to get him. I'll be like, Lord, come on. Lord, like, ain't no come on nothing. They are reaping. They are sowing sparingly. God says, I got to fix it up so that they reach sparingly. If I don't, God said, then I'd be lying. So I'd be just watching some of you. I'd be like, man, don't you realize that this little nonsense that you're doing right here, that God is going to bring this back on you? You can't, you, you mean to tell me you can't see this. But somebody just keep right on going. Oh, just keep right on going. Why? Because things going well now. Things going well now. It's not how things are going now that you and I want to focus in on as children of God. 
how are things going to go? Because everything that we are doing is either going to help things go better for us in the future or go worse for us. You know, in essence, Joseph's thing to, to Pharaoh was, look, you know, don't get too good. In fact, when Joseph was interpreting Pharaoh's dream, Joseph was like, look, you got about seven good years of stuff going on. But uh, there's going to be some years after that that things is going to be very, very bad around here. So don't you, don't you just focus in on how well things are going. You need to be making preparations for what's coming. And that's all sowing is all about, is making preparations for what's coming. This is why we want to sow generously into the kingdom so that I can look forward to some generous things coming from out the kingdom. So I can look forward to God blessing me generously. But if I'm sowing sparingly, and now you don't want to be, you, you, I, I can't look for, I don't want to look forward to God having to make me reek sparingly. Because that ain't fun. And God be some sense, the same way it won't fun. For, for me, when you were so inspiringly, now I'm going to fix it up so it won't be fun for you when you had to reach apparently. If you got any sense out there under the sound of my voice, you don't want to put $2 worth of gas in your car and think that you're going to go on a long trip somewhere. $2 worth of gas, you, you, can't, you can't do no serious driving like that right there. But if you fill your tank, you know you can go far and you can go long. So it is with the kingdom. Picture the kingdom of God as your gas tank. And how you sow into your gas tank in the natural is how, how much driving you're going to be able to do. How you sow into the kingdom of God is going to determine a lot of how your blessings going to come to you at some point in the future. I ain't saying when. I ain't saying when. But God cannot be mocked whatsoever a man soweth. So shall he also reap. When? God said, that's my business, Robert. I don't even, listen, I don't even need to do a lot of praying as to what your future is going to be out there. I don't need to do, all I got to do is look at what you're doing now. All I got to do, I don't have to do a lot of praying as to what your financial state is going to be in the future. All I got to do is look at how, how you, how you, how are you sowing to the kingdom now. But that's, that's, that's exactly what you're going to get. Whatsoever, amen. Or what, in other words, God said, whatever he sow, that's what he's going to read. So inspiringly, God said, this one here is just so, it went so sparingly. God said, all right, I'm going to fix it up. And then some of you out there, you had the audacity to wonder why you lose a job. Some of you out there under, under, got the audacity to wonder why you lose your promotion. Some of you out there under, 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 got the audacity to wonder why you got to be laid off with the first group. Look at how you sow into the kingdom. That is what tells the story. It, it's not, if I put, I'm looking at myself in this camera as I'm, as I'm preaching this word here, camera's video. I put my right hand up like this right here. It's no surprise to me to see that in, in my reflection, my hand has gone up. It's no surprise because that's what I did. And the camera is simply reflecting what it sees me do. Well, God is going to reflect what he sees you do. You sowing abundantly into the kingdom, God, like, you got some abundance coming to you down, down the road, son. We, listen, we don't have to get all into prophecy. We don't have to get all mystical. Ain't nobody got to blow no smoke, and I got to wait. Uh-uh. It's real simple. 
you sowing abundantly, God be like, he's going to reap abundantly. You out there, you sowing sparingly, God going to lay, I'm going to fix it up. Make sure he sow at some point. He sows, he reaps sparingly. Now, these apostles, you know, Peter and all these characters, they had left everything to follow Jesus. You know, in fact, that was one of the things that Peter asked. He said, you know, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. In essence, what's in it for us? And Jesus, in essence, told him, to look, no one who has left father or mother or sisters or brothers or houses or lands for me in the kingdom will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this life and in the life to come. Paul, God was, Jesus was like, look, don't worry about it. I got you. I know y'all don't left everything. I know. Jesus like, what are you telling me this for? I know. Jesus said, look, I know you have made a big sacrifice and a big investment into the kingdom. God said, you're going you're gonna to reap. You're going to reap. You're going to be all right. No one who has left. Yeah, man, these, these, disciples, these apostles, these disciples, man, they had left career. Some of you all out there understand, my boy, you, you, you ain't thinking about leaving your career for no gospel. But there's some of us that have had to do that. I've had to leave good-paying jobs to come here and to basically be a servant to you. Because that's, that's, what, that's what ministry is, it's servant. You're offering, you're presenting your body as a living sacrifice, allowing God to talk to his people through you. You're presenting, you're presenting yourself in, in service to God, to God's people. Jesus said, look, don't you worry about it. You done left mother, father, sister, brother, homes, Land, you know, for me and the gospel, you will not fail to receive a hundred times in this life and in the world to come. And then Jesus said, and with them persecutions. In other words, God said, look, big investment into the kingdom, big sacrifice into the kingdom will be met with big reward and from the kingdom. Little sacrifice into the kingdom, little investment into the kingdom. You're going to end up meeting little bitty blessings from the kingdom. <clears throat> but, you know, that's a choice that each one of us has to make. Now, Lord said, look, don't be peddling the word of God for prophecy. That on the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity. That's one of the main components of God's ministers. It must be sincere. In fact, the Bible tells us when it talks about what love is, one of the first things love, it must be sincere. Because God means what he's saying. God not just saying something just to be saying something. He means what he's saying. He's saying all of what he's saying, doing all of what he's doing, because he's trying to keep you out in hell. He's trying to keep me out in hell. He's trying to keep you from having to be cursed. He's trying to keep me from having to be cursed. So God be talking to us, trying to keep us on the right track, because God knows what the wrong track where it will end up and where it will take us. Instead of peddling the word of God for profit, in other words, your, your motive being how much money you can get out of God's people, he says, on the contrary, we speak before God with sincerity, like men who have been sent from God. When you're sent from God, you're going to speak, from, you're going to speak with sincerity. When you sent from God. When you sent from God, you're gonna have a motive. 
because God's got a motive. God wants you saved out there. God wants you and I saved. God wants you and I doing what he wants us to do. That's God's motive. You ever wonder what God's motive is? Number one, he wants you saved. You got to run around you and say, what God, what God want me to do? First thing, God, I want you saved. God says, I don't have to send you to hell. And second, once you get saved, God says, now I want you to do like I'm telling you. Now I want you to be led by my spirit. Because they that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. What profit, man? Profit, man. Get all kind of stuff in this life and then forfeit your soul. What profit, man, to, to, to receive all kinds of, of, of good things but end up at the end of the day upsetting God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, again, we thank you. We praise you, Father, for the opportunity to share your word with your people. Pray, Father, that you have been pleased with the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, that they have been acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our God, our strength, and our redeemer. We pray, Father, that your word not only convict those who are hearing, but convert your people, that each one of us may step up step higher into your good, pleasing, and perfect will, that we may do more of what you have uh, destined and desired for us to do. Forgive us, Father, of our sins, our iniquities, which we all have grievously committed against you. We ask, Father, that you continue to lead and guide us in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake, that we may take hold of our possession, uh, that which you have decreed and destined for us to do and to be and to say and to go. Uh, may our obedience uh, to you bring these things to fruition in our life. This is our prayer. We count done in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus Christ. Pray, Father, that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that they will pray this prayer, that, that they uh, will acknowledge their sin before you, ask you uh, to save them, to fill them with your Holy Spirit, and to make them into a new creature. For you told us in your word that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We trust, Father, that you're going to do these things for us. In Jesus' mighty and glorious name we pray. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you, children of God, and heaven continue to smile on us. You can make donations and contributions to the ministry through our church website. <laughs> Lord willing, we will see you all later on this evening in Jesus' name.